0: Thank you, trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Alone, looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes to Back near the wall! It's out of here! Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of The Red Shirt podcast the draft is on thursday i'm not sure what day you're listening to this or what day it'll be out draft is thursday a lot of content to be uh brought so first we're going to start it off podcast cover pretty much everything there is about this draft and today to help me with that is longtime recurring guest jacob siegel jacob how are you
1: Good. Thanks for having me again. Excited for another draft. It's slightly more normal this year than it was last year. Still feels a little weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Roger Goodell was cleared to give hugs and he's not doing it in his basement (laughs) where he looks like he's, you know, tired to death. So definitely give him that. But um, let's just hop into it. So I think we have a number of topics. I think the first one I want to start with, which probably, um, you know, not the most thrilling part of the draft. I wouldn't put it that way, but basically every year we see certain guys that aren't expected to go in the first round, go in the first round. The Seattle Seahawks are usually the team to take that guy. They don't have a pick this year, but one way or another, there are going to be some surprises to sneak into the top 32. So who are some guys you think could be uh, quietly taken in the first round?
1: Yeah. So if we go through position at quarterback, people keep bringing up Mon, people bring up Mills. I think there's an outside chance that Trask goes just because he's kind of similar to Big Ben. I know people say that every year for some big, burly pocket passer, but he kind of, to me, is very similar in that he's not mobile whatsoever. His ball is just slow and loopy. Um, But he got the job done in college. We'll see if he can get it done in the NFL. My bet is no. Um, The wide receiver position, I think De'Ami Brown could go if someone just wants that speedster. He reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf in that he just wasn't asked to do very much in college. And so if he is asked to do more, we don't know if he can do it, but we don't know that he can't. Um, And I believe they also had, both had Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator. So I could see them having very similar um, career arcs. And then the rest of the offense, Javante Williams, I don't know how sleeper-ish that is. Uh, I think he has an outside chance of going tight end pits the offensive weapon and that's about it, it tackle i could see an a- alex leatherwood a jackson carmen maybe a guard um and then the round out offense interior o-line i don't think humphrey or dickerson are really sleepers to go in the first round and then i don't see anyone like Miners or davis going that high
0: yeah so for me i have i wrote down three main guys two of which you went over Um, the first one being Creed Humphrey. I don't think he'd be, I don't think it'd be like a shocker if he went in that in the first round, but I I haven't seen necessarily many people consider him like a top 32 or see a consistent mock drafts where he's there. I think, uh, I don't know. I think a team can be drawn to that big 12 experience. And this is an interesting interior offensive line class. I think Creed Humphrey definitely could be someone taken in the late 20s. Then uh, on defense, I'm looking at, I believe it's Jamin Davis of linebacker from Kentucky, really talented guy, Uh, not a lot of experience I think, if he had gotten more playing time uh, in college, maybe we would be talking about him more as a solidified first round pick, but he does seem to be flying upwards I could see him going in the first, and then also Javante Williams who you mentioned. Uh, I mean, look, betting odds will tell you that not uh, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne would be the first running backs off the board, but I think Javante's would do it all back, and the one key thing about him compared to those two is he has a lot less tread on his tires, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, and I think we could also see some edges go off the board that we don't expect. It's a really weird edge class kind of take or pick of who you like, and so I think there's a chance we see someone like 2020 uh, opt-out Joe Tryon or... Houston product Peyton Turner go in the first round ahead of maybe bigger stalwarts like Russo and Ojolari, who people expect to go up there.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a very. There are a lot of strengths in this draft class, but I think edge D line definitely not as strong as it as it's been in recent years.
1: I think um, on the edge you can get some good guys in the second or third round. I think it's a solidly deep class. Boogie Basham, Joseph Asai, Richard Weaver. Um, the guys I mentioned, Tryon, Turner, Ronnie Perkins. Um, but there's no Chase Young in this class or anything like that. And then the defensive tackle class is just disgusting past Barmore. Togiai is fine. Anwizarike is fine. Marvin Wilson, he's one of the weirdest stories of this draft. I think he was going to be a top 10 pick if he came out last year. Couldn't. And then now he's probably going day three.
0: Yeah. It's that Florida State stuff, which I know I have one Florida State guy that we'll talk about later. Um, do you have any other sleepers or move on to the next?
1: I think those are the main guys I can see in the first round.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I said it. I, I guess maybe we could see the Raiders overdraft uh, someone, some big school guy with, you know, high motor or something, you know, the way that Mike Mayock does it. But without the Seahawks, it's a lot harder to see a clear uh, total shocker of a pick. We'll see, though. Uh, next we're going to go over each position in the NFL draft. We're going to make our picks for who we think goes off the board first. Uh, we can start at quarterback, which I think is probably a foregone conclusion for the both of us. I have Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah. don't think you need to put very much thought into that. I probably would say, I think there's a little bit more of a question mark at one and two than most people think. I think there's an outside chance that Wilson makes it to three. Um, And I think people think it's a foregone conclusion, but it's pretty much – I'd be very surprised if the first two is not Lawrence Wilson to the Jaguars and the Jets.
0: Yeah. And then next, I mean, definitely one of the harder positions to predict in terms of who's going first off the board. We've seen some surprises in previous years. Uh, Who do you have as the first running back off the board?
1: I think it's going to be Najee. I'm very analytically driven in the draft. I wouldn't take any of these running backs. Um, I just don't think the value is there unless you can get them in the third or fourth round, which obviously will not happen. Uh, so I think people will go with the proven guy that they know can handle the workload.
0: I also have Najee Harris. I I agree with that. I think. Yeah, it's you know where that's gonna be. Is that gonna be in is that gonna be in the first round? Is that gonna be in the top 10 of the second round? We'll see. But I do have Najee Harris. Then wide receiver.
1: Yeah, so I think this is gonna be chase. I think there's an outside chance it's Waddle. Um, with similar reason with the rugs last year, I think people are Tyree Kill chasing, and I don't really think there will be another person like Tyree Kill. I think Jalen Waddle is very good in his own right. But I think there could be some team that sees how good and dynamic Tyreek Hill is for the Chiefs and what he can do for Patrick Mahomes to open up the offense and take a shot on Waddle, similar to what the Raiders did with Ruggs last year.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be Jamar Chase because uh, whether it's at five to the Bengals, who I think it would be smarter for them to go offensive line, or if it's to the Dolphins at six, I think there are a lot of teams that could go receiver I think Chase fits that bill um yeah I also have Jamar Chase and then tight end that's another one that's probably a foregone conclusion I have Kyle Pitts
1: yeah I think it's pretty clearly Kyle Pitts I think there's a chance that Hunter Long is second um going ahead of Pat Fryermuth, excuse me um when I think people think that Fryermuth is absolutely going to be the second tight end taken But that's the only drama with this class. Pitts is the first tight end, and it'll be the first tight end by at least a round, if not two.
0: Yeah. Okay, so then, I don't know, do you have offensive line as tackle, guard, and center, or just O-line in general?
1: I have tackle, and then I have interior.
0: Okay, perfect. So, at tackle, who do you have?
1: I think it's Panay Sewell. I think that there are some teams that would take Slater higher, um, but I just don't think anyone's passing up on Sewell. I think the media has some recency bias and obviously Sewell and Slater both opted out. So it's not necessarily giving the edge to Slater, but people forget how um, high they thought of Sewell at this time last year and how he was penciled in as a top three pick. And I think that the NFL teams are going to go back to those priors more than people in the media who are just, what have you done for me lately?
0: Yeah. It's to me, it's, it's gotta be a Sewell. I think you said it perfectly some kind of not even recency bias until I just think people really forget
1: how out of dominant
0: mind. just how dominant that Pin has been like he he was garnering I feel like go, you know last year they were talking about the number one overall guy in this class I think most people assume Lawrence would be number one by nature of the quarterback position there are people that were like I think Panezula is the best overall player in this class uh, so I think, I'd be shocked to see if it's not Penesul. Maybe he, you know, I, I don't know. I doubt he goes in the top three like they might have thought, but I think that's more due to uh, quarterback value than him not being a top three player in this class. Uh, and then who do you have as the first interior guy off the board?
1: If we're considering Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker, excuse me, as a guard, that's who I um, would go with. I think it's probably going to be Dickerson as the first center off the board or as the first true interior if you consider uh Vera Tucker to play on one of the bookends but I think Vera Tucker is a, as close as you can get to a first round lock with an interior offensive lineman not named um, Quentin Wilson. Quentin Nelson, excuse me.
0: Yeah, I also have Elijah Vera Tucker. I think I don't know. Yeah, that's depending if you consider him an offensive tackle, that's a different discussion, but I think he's a lock to be, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a total lock to be first-round pick. I think the more question is, is it going to be in the teens or maybe is it, in, you know, in the 20s? I think that's really the question to look at. But Elijah Vera Tucker, I would expect him to be the first interior offensive lineman off the board, especially because I think past him, I mean, it's just, a, it's an interesting guard class. I don't think there's a lot of givens quite like there are at tackle necessarily or tackle the last couple of years per se. So I even don't.
1: a solid center class this year with Humphrey, Dickerson, even though you have the injury questions, draft riser, Quinn Miners. It's a shockingly strong guard class and a shockingly – or shockingly strong center class, excuse me, yeah. and a shockingly weak guard class.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then moving on to defense, like what, we were we all – we were in harmony for every uh, offensive pick, yeah? Yes. Okay, moving on to defense, uh, who do you have as the first edge off the board?
1: This might be the toughest one for me in the draft. I'm not sure who my edge one is. I'm not sure if there's even close to a consensus edge one around the league. But I'm leaning Jalen Phillips as the first edge off the board. I think some team is going to see him as so much more talented than everyone else and just decide the injury risks are worth it. And all it takes for this is one team. We're not guessing who's on the top of the majority of boards or on the top of the plurality of boards. It's just which one player is going to be taken first. And so I think someone is going to take that flyer on the talent, Jalen Phillips, whether it be in their draft slot or someone who just loves his potential so much and trades up to get him.
0: Yeah. I I have it as Jalen Phillips there. This is you said it earlier, this edge class isn't, it doesn't have those kind of top five guys such as a chase young, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of intrigue there. I like Jalen Phillips. I like Aziz Oshilari uh Quidipe as well I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was at Quidipe but I think Jalen Phillips the talents there I think he could really there are a number of spots that he could fit in from if the Giants are really hell-bent on an edge at 11 or maybe he stays in the state of Florida with uh the Dolphins second pick I think this is definitely one of the harder ones to project but I do like Jalen Phillips to be the first edge off the board And then in terms of pure defensive linemen, who do you have going off the board?
1: It's got to be Christian Barmore, and I think this is a gap similar to Pitts in the field where the question is, not is it going to be 10 or 20 picks? I think the question is more, is it going to be 40 or 50 picks between the first defensive interior and the second being Barmore and maybe someone like Lee McNeil, Levi and Muzarica, someone like that.
0: Yeah, I think Barmore is probably going to be the only first rounder. Uh, of defensive linemen unless there's some team that really is in love with someone that we're not seeing so I, I feel like that's one that you could probably kind of chalk up and then linebacker
1: um so I think this is Micah Parsons I don't think Micah Parsons is my LB1 I think that goes to Jeremiah usu koromoa um just do it all in coverage and that's the way the game's going but I think someone is going to get enthralled with Micah Parsons' downhill ability, and you can't really blame him. He's a stud.
0: Yeah, I think Micah Parsons in terms of if it was just based on how he plays on the field, I think he'd be the very clear first linebacker taken off the board, and I do have him that. But it will be interesting to see. I feel, you know, he opted out. There might be some character off the field concerns with Parsons. I'd expect him to still be the first linebacker off the board. But something could happen. And there is that versatility for a guy like Jeremiah Usu Korma, who, by the way, best name in the draft for sure. I mean, that's so, yeah. no question. Um, looking like, I mean, you and I were going hand in hand right now. Let's go to cornerback.
1: I think this is certain. I think there's a good argument to be made that Farley, like Phillips, um, is the most talented prospect. But certain, I think, is a near lock almost to go. Um, to the Cowboys he's just locked down he's been that way since uh high school where I think he played with uh Tyson Campbell um coached by Sertan's dad so I think he'll go there
0: yeah I think Sertan at 10 to the Cowboys makes a lot of sense and I hate to be agreeing with you so much but I do agree on this one and then lastly uh we got safety
1: I think this is another pretty simple one. I think this is Trayvon Morig. I don't think there's um, too much debate here on who the top safety in the class is. I think it gets a little more confusing um, based on where you slot Elijah Molden, no pun intended, if you see him in the slot or if you see him more as a safety. Um, but I think Morrig will go above Molden anyways.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Trayvon Morig, I think it's a big question of, maybe where he goes as opposed to uh, if it's the first round or second round. I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Unless there's, again, someone that we just don't see that a team falls in love with, I, I'd expect him to be the first safety off the board. It's unfortunate. We I, we agreed on every single – I think pattern. we agreed on
1: everything, yeah. I
0: feel like that – I mean, it's hard. You and I don't agree on every single thing very often. Usually we find some iteration.
1: We got to go to kickers or punters here or something like that we might have
0: to circle back to that. If we, if we, if we have too many similar uh sleepers or take such speaking of sleepers, I guess I just introduced it. Uh, We just discussed first guys off the board, likely first round. Who are some day two, day three sleepers that you're a fan of?
1: So honestly, at the quarterback position, there's no one I really love here. I think there's a reason quarterbacks are getting pushed up the board and there's a reason who it is because davis mills isn't that good kyle trask uh throws paper airplanes those are not incredibly accurate and easy to intercept um but i'd pick jamie newman or sam ellinger out of these guys i want my if i was running a team i would want my backup quarterback to bring something different most teams are done if they have to rely on their backup quarterback for more than a few games now you can bring up the eagles uh playoff run they won the I almost said World Series. They won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, but I think it's so hard to do that now with the pocket passer that teams can scheme for. So Newman and Ellinger would be my guys, not that they make the best starter, but that day two quarterbacks are looking for a backup.
0: Sorry about that, but back to uh, my sleepers, day two, day three sleepers. I'm a big fan of Rakeem Boyd, running back from Arkansas. He's ranked as running back fourteen on the Draft Networks rankings. I use them for my mock draft, so I've naturally use them for some of these rankings. But uh, beyond him just being one of my favorites from the show Last Chance, he was a patient power back. In twenty twenty, he wasn't quite utilized in such a diverse way. But twenty nineteen, they got him the ball in different ways, whether it was split out wide, uh, jet sweep kind of action, or you know just traditional handoffs and such. I think. He's not a feature back, but for the value that you're going to get as a late round running back, and especially, I mean, you mentioned how, you know, taking running backs in those early rounds, ill-advised, and Raheem Boyd, he's definitely a guy that you could use as a strong rotational power running back that I, I don't know if I want to say he's being overlooked, I just don't think he's someone that's quite really on people's radars that I think could have success.
1: Yeah, at the running back position, there's not many I love. I like Jamar Jefferson late, but outside of that, honestly, give me Demetric Felton. He's basically a wide receiver, but that's what I want out of a running back. I want to pass the ball. I don't want to run it. Um, and speaking of passing the ball, I love De'Ami Brown. touched on him earlier. I think he's not necessarily going to be a carbon copy of Metcalf, but I think he's going to be uh, very similar. I like Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa he seemed to be most of their passing offense and made them somewhat functional, even with, I believe it was Spencer Petras, a quarterback, not exactly who you'd want. Um, so I'd say those are my two biggest wide receiver. They aren't exactly sleepers because I don't think they're going to go super late, but they're probably day two guys that I really like.
0: At receiver, my guy, he's ranked all the way at wide receiver 34 on the draft network. And that is, I alluded to Florida State earlier, that is Florida State wide receiver Tamari Terry. On the field, he, he gets it done. He, he has blazing speed. His 40-time was clocked at a 4.44, and he does that at a 6-4 frame. He's explosive with the ball on his hands, I think. He's had his fair share of off-the-field issues that are legitimate. Those are, those are red flags to an organization. You're not going to invest that high of a pick in a guy that you might flame out. But if Tamari Terry can get some better – I mean, that's the one thing I will say. Florida State recently has not been, you know, the pinnacle for great coaching. If he can find a good system that can keep him in check, help him develop as a player, keep him, you know, on the field, I think Tamari Terry could definitely be a valuable receiver in for really any wide receiver room in the league.
1: Yeah, moving on to tight end, my guys are Tommy Tremble and Ben Mason. They aren't really tight ends. They're more fullbacks. Um, and I know I said earlier that I'm not really a running person, but I just have a soft spot for fullbacks. They're great. Um, they can sneak out. They can get you that five, six-yard gain on a third down when they just are forgotten about it. I think Patrick Sherman, I believe, was the chief starting back who did that a few times in the Super Bowl against the Niners. Kyle check clearly very important to Kyle Shanahan, who I think knows a thing or two about running an offense. Um, so Tremble and Mason, who are more of fullbacks and of tight ends, would be my two guys, that position.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what ben, ben Mason, he's been like a staple for Michigan, feels like he's been there for 10 years as their fullback and stuff. It's, you know, I mean, look, that's the one thing I feel like fullback, it's like there's not even like a good analogy for it. They're just a lot, it's a lost position that finds himself as like a soft spot for so many people for like no reason
1: kind of like a loogie in baseball
0: yeah then uh, for me in terms of a pure tight end I've always been a big fan of Kenny Yaboa, tight end from Ole Miss he's ranked as tight end six on the draft network he to me is he's a like great value Kyle Pitts I think he's nowhere near as good as Kyle Pitts but he has that great athleticism and big catch radius he's not a complete blocker but he has He's shown himself to be a high-effort type player, whether that be in the receiving game or blocking. I think Kenny Yaboa, uh, he transferred from Temple to Olmes. Definitely was able to rise up boards and really just show himself to be a phenomenal athlete. So I think that it's largely dependent on how he's used. That's, I think, the case. Tight end with – I can't speak. At the tight end position, I think guys' success is largely based on how they're used and what kind of system they're in. But Kenny Eboa, I think, can be a total superstar for a team.
1: Yeah, I think he's good as well. He's a very different kind of tight end than the guys I brought up. Um, You could see him lining up in the slot. is a big slot much more, but I think he can be uh, very good there. And another player I think could be very good is James Hudson from Cincinnati on the offensive line. We all saw in the bowl game he was ejected for targeting. I think he headbutted a guy on the sideline after a play. Um, And then Lawrence Metz. The German came in to replace them and Aziz Jodelari just totally ate Mets up, which to me shows how important Hudson was because it felt like a totally different offense um, before and after that targeting call, almost as if the quarterback was the one who got ejected. Um, and that's nothing against Desmond Ritter. I think that's just showing how important Hudson was to that offensive line, how important I think he can be to an NFL offensive line.
0: Yeah, So then, for me, I have one more guy listed, and that is that's on defense. That's Patrick Jones, the second uh, edge from Pitt. He's listed as edge 16 on the draft network. Thing thing about Jones, he's been very productive in college. He's had 24 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks, his last 22 college games. And for him, there's some frame concerns about him. I think some people aren't sure about his. Uh, his size, if he can, uh, you know, if that can work out at an NFL level. But to me, when I watch him, he just he gets it done as a pass rusher. He makes plays in the run game. I think there's a lot to like about a guy like Patrick Jones. I don't know. There's just something about. I don't know if it's just the. I feel like Pitt. It's it's not a rocket science, and you shouldn't draft like this. But I feel like every couple of years, there's just that one guy from Pitt that always gets it done. So I'm a big fan of Patrick Jones.
1: Yeah, on the defense, I have a few guys, uh, mostly in the secondary. I like, I got to shout out Cam Bynum, um, the one Cal prospect in this draft. Um, but I really like Benjamin St. Juice. Um, I think he is one of the only cornerbacks that you can get late who has a real chance to uh, start on the outside. His wingspan is totally berserk, it is the 87th percentile. Um, and he also is crazy athletic, a 96 percentile three cone, a 92nd percentile shuttle at four flat. Um, and so I think he's the guy that you could pick up late with his six three two oh two frame that still has a chance to be good on the outside. Cause I think most guys you're getting in the secondary at that point are either slot only or um are just guys in the sec on the outside who are just not very good, period. And then I think um is kind of a playmaker at safety. Talanoa Hufanga, um, Pac-12 after dark legend, felt like every week he just did something crazier where you're like, how do he do that? Um, And so he'd be my guy there. And those are my uh, two main defensive guys, along with who might be my draft crush, Jeremiah Cormo.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Talanoa Hufanga, big fan of his. Well, (laughs) respect his play, not a fan of uh, what team he was doing it for, exactly. Okay, and then moving past uh, more structured questions, I suppose. So I guess I guess sleepers isn't that structured. Let's talk about some bold draft takes. I think this is pretty free-flowing. free, free flowing. What are some of your hot takes for this 2021 NFL draft?
1: Yeah, so I think the JOK one might be a hot take, Um, that he is better than Micah Parsons, and obviously it's hard to decide who is a better linebacker, but I really like him there. And then – I am experienced a lot of trepidation with this take, but I think I'll go with it. I think Trey Lance is the second best quarterback in this draft. And I wouldn't be that surprised if he busts, but I also think that he's a wild card worth taking. He's not he's played very little, but the other guys are taking in this draft. Mac Jones hasn't played very much. Kyle Trask, not very much for him. Davis Mills, virtually none. So I don't see the love for those guys. And I just don't think you find quarterbacks like Lance very often. He's someone where I think you'll find someone else like Field, someone else like Wilson in the next two drafts. Maybe not as good, but someone who can give you the similar attributes that those quarterbacks can. Entirely, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, there's going to be one of those guys every year. One of them will be like Jones. They'll start as a second rounder. People like him. All of a sudden, they're getting mocked in the top ten, maybe even at three. Um, but Trey Lance is my QB2 this year.
0: I think, I mean, look, you said it for your description on the collaborative mock draft that we did that will be coming out in the next couple of days. Or maybe it already came out when you're listening to this. Uh, he's the unicorn quarterback of this draft. And I think that's a phenomenal way to look at it. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, it's like, it's based, he's already a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He. That's a foregone conclusion. When you look at this quarterback class, I think you really look at it in the group of Wilson, Lance. I feel like Wilson, Lance, and Fields was what it was for a while. Then when the Niners moved up to three, your Niners, and they moved up to three and there was this Mag Jones type, he kind of joined into that group. And you said it. Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are both uh, athletic playmakers in their own right that, you know, deserve this type. that I think all these guys in a normal year, there's an argument that they're the first overall pick in the draft. That's how good this quarterback class can be. And you got Mac Jones, who is look, he, he did what he needed to do at Alabama. He has those weapons around him and he made the best of it. Cause that's the one thing I'll say. I mean, is he worthy of going number three? That's questionable, but I, you know, I understand the respect around the league towards Mac Jones. He just doesn't have that dynamic playmaking that Trey Lance does. He's very boomer bust, Trey Lance. But in a system, if you were to go to a team like the San Francisco 49ers, I he could be groomed to be the next superstar
1: quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And all offseason, it's been this guy fits in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That guy fits in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I don't really think it matters in that way. I think he has his guy, and he's going to make them fit. Now, I'm not super confident that is Lance. I'm also much more confident in Kyle Shanahan's quarterback scouting than my quarterback scouting. Um, But I think he will make his guy work. I don't think you trade up for three for a guy that you don't think can work in your scheme.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I, I don't have my initial takes aren't quite as um, personal ranking based necessarily, but I think in terms of what'll happen on draft night, and I get these aren't the boldest of bold takes, but I think Devontae Smith, I think he'll fall out of the top 10. And I with that, I think Jalen Waddle could get drafted ahead of him because and I'm not I'm not sure if that's how I'm gonna end up having my final mock draft exactly go. And we don't truly know how NFL executives feel about Devontae Smith's size. Because, look, I mean, he proved that he can ball at that size in, in the yeah. SEC. I mean, the guy won a Heisman. But, you don't, you're not drafting guys off of college accolades in his size. He can say it's not a concern. Teams are going to be concerned about it. I don't – I think, you know, there was the debate of – I think some people would debate if he's wide receiver one over Jamar Chase. I think there's almost no chance that he is taking over him at, at the very least. And then with that, you said Jalen Waddle. Teams are kind of looking to find that Tyreek Hill kind of unicorn of a wide receiver, see what he's done with Kansas City. I think that, you know, they did that last year with the Ruggs. Like you said, that's something that could happen with Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle's good in his own right. Jalen Waddle doesn't have to be Tyreek Hill, he's Jalen Waddle. But for all Devontae Smith does, he's small at that size. And then he he's fast, but he doesn't have burners you know, his best attributes, which are legitimate attributes. Like, I love Devontae Smith. I, I want to make them – I love Devontae Smith. But in terms of taking a, that small of a wide receiver in the top ten, when you also have, you know, Jamar Chase and Jalen Model there, I, I do think he falls out of the top ten.
1: Yeah, I could absolutely see that. And I think that might be what a team like the uh, Eagles were thinking, is that they can still get their guy – I'm at 12, which is why trading down makes so much sense for them.
0: Yeah. And so then my other one, based on how I think the draft will go, we've already went over how, you know, running backs, the value in them taking them in the first, second round. It's really not there, the replaceability of a running back, which like at some, I mean, I've, I've wanted to write an article about it, but at this point I might just make a blog post and just link like several articles about just how, valueless the running back position can be but basically what I'm what I'm getting at now this idea has been going around the league and it still hasn't stuck teams have still taken running backs in the first round I think this is the where there actually is no running back selected in the first round
1: yeah I can see that I hope for the team Sandy and for their draft picks that that's how it is um I don't really think any of these running backs are that good anyways. Najee Harris is obviously solid, but he's no guarantee he's not the same kind of prospect that uh, someone like Ezekiel Elliott was.
0: Well, also I just think the thing is, and not not exactly Najee Harris, I don't think is anywhere on par with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, but it'd just be so interesting to see, you know, him, Etienne, just all of these running backs if this was, if this was 10 years ago, or even just, I mean, look, Leonard Fournette was the, what the fourth pick and Saquon Barkley was the second pick recent.
1: No sense. In,
0: in recent memory. And that's, that's crazy. That is, that's, that's crazy to think about that right now. So I think really just thinking about these guys, if they came into the league a couple years ago or just 10 years ago, where they'd be regarded on the draft board. It's just really to say how far the teams are starting to realize the lack of value in a running back, starting. To, and they still keep paying them lots of money. But
1: Yeah, and so I guess another one of my um, hot takes, and I don't really know how to phrase this, but I think Anthony Schwartz is going to be one of the guys we remember as the big speed guys in this draft. If you're in a four-two-six forty, 40 That's just berserk. Um, you don't see people do that very often, and I just think he's going to be one of the values in someone chasing a two-two Atwell or a Jalen Darden. He's a little bit different, but uh, someone like that, someone like an Elijah Moore, where you're the main thing you like is the speed. Jalen Waddle, I think that if you can get um, him much later, I think Schwartz is a much better value than Waddle. I know you don't love to hear that as an Alabama fan, but I think people discount shorts because they're like all you can do is run and at some point that is very valuable right when you're drafting wide receivers in the third fourth fifth round you're not going to get the all-around stud that is Devonte Smith that is Jamar Chase and so I want speed that's the attribute I would draft I wouldn't try and draft the 6'6 six, six guy or the guy with great hands speed kills
0: speed does kill that uh that is for sure so then my last, my last two bold takes are more based on how I think these guys are going to perform. So, uh, and the first one that I'll say is, and I, I don't know, I've kind of referenced it and this, this can largely depend on where he lands, but my bold prediction is that Aziz Ojolari, I'm not going to say he wins defensive rookie of the year, but I think he's going to have one of the better rookie seasons. I think, I've mocked him to a place It – we'll see if he falls all that way, but if he is available at 27, I really like the value of him. It's 27, that's the Ravens, correct, or is it 28?
1: Yes, I believe it's 27 and now 31.
0: Yeah, I think at 27 or 31, Aziz Ojolar, I think he'd be a great fit in that kind of defense. I think he's going to – when you look at his numbers at Georgia, I think he's the kind of guy – he's had. Some, he has some really good tape, But when you've actually been watching him, he's been used more as a rotational piece to the point where I think if he can get consistent playing time at the NFL level, obviously, as a rookie, he's not necessarily going to establish himself from the get go as an every down player. But if he can continue to grow and grow, improve and improve and get those reps, I think he's going to have a big a big year in terms of sacks, in terms of tackles for loss, in terms of disrupting the quarterback. I'm a big fan of Aziz Ojalari, and that's why I wanted. I didn't want it to be on the record that I have him winning defensive rookie of the year, but I think for the fact that he's probably going to be in the second half of the first round, I think he's going to have one of the better rookie years.
1: Yeah, that would have been a little bold. I don't really love anyone in this edge class. I guess I'd say I like Peyton Turner the most compared to where the consensus has him, Um, in large part just because the dude's... Physically just exactly what you want. His bench press isn't great, only 23 reps. But a six, seven, three cone, that's 99th percentile, a 425 shuttle, that's 84th percentile, 76 percentile vert, uh, to go with 92nd percentile height, uh, six six. He's two sixty-eight, but obviously that can fluctuate based on where teams want him to play. I'm sure he could get to two sixty, I'm sure he could get to two eighty. Um, then huge hands and arms, in the 95th and 96th percentile, respectively at 10 and a half inches and 35.38 inches. Um, so I think Turner is worth a flyer, even if he is coming um, from less proven background, obviously, playing at Houston and not the same dominant force that someone like Ed Oliver was.
0: Yeah. And so then my last uh, bold take from this draft class is, and this one, it's kind of bold. It's also kind of general. But I'm saying that someone other than Trevor Lawrence wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I don't care to put a specific name on that because I just don't – it's kind of hard to foresee playing time, whether it be at the quarterback position, if it's a wide receiver that has a Justin Jefferson kind of year. If it's a running back, that goes crazy. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a huge favorite to win the award. And if you're asking me if I'm taking him or if I'm taking the field, I'm taking the field. I I think he'll have success but I also don't think that Jacksonville is going to do that great. So if there's, if there's a quarterback, I mean, I don't know. I don't Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be the day one starter in San Francisco. Yeah.
1: I'd assume so at this point. Yeah.
0: So like, for example, you know, if someone, if let's say something like, like the Chargers will have an entire tail, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and Trey Lance or Mag Jones, or Justin Fields just, is uh, flung into that situation on a very talented, closer-to-playoff-caliber team. I think a guy like that could win Offensive Rookie of the Year and outperform Trevor Lawrence. Just, just by nature of that, I think Trevor Lawrence, I don't see the Jacksonville Jaguars having that stellar of a year. And, look, we saw it this year. Joe Burrow, the first pick's going to be the favorite. And, obviously, Joe Burrow got hurt, but we had a guy like Herbert – go absolutely off same with Justin Jefferson and I feel like I'm kind of rambling right now but my main point is that just because Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first overall player taken and I I, you know there's a reason for it and there's a reason that I think he'll probably end up as the best quarterback of the draft class and could be one of the best quarterbacks of the generation uh you know just based on those certain factors I'm taking I'm taking the field is what my conclusion would be
1: (laughs) I'd probably agree with that um just in that it's smart betting-wise to take the field, but I'm a big Jaguars guy this year. I think Lawrence is such a good prospect, not that necessarily his ceiling is the best quarterback in the league, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be a top-half quarterback next year, and that's pretty valuable, especially as someone is improving. I think the edge and linebackers in Jacksonville, just as an aside, are great. You have Josh Allen, you have Chase Chason. He wasn't great last year, um, but he obviously has tons of potential. Then you have Miles Jack and Joe Schobert just do-it-all studs. Um, And I think that the weapons for Lawrence won't be too bad. I like Robinson. I like Chark. Marvin Jones Jr. um, just does what you expect him to do. He's not going to be a game-breaker. But I think he'll be a solid wide receiver. And then they have the draft ammo um, with picks 25, 33, 45, and 65 to build up the offensive line and get more weapons for the Jaguars and Lawrence.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, do you have any any other bold takes before we wrap it up a little bit?
1: I mean, I think those are my main ones. i not as high as others on Zach Wilson, but I don't think that's some super bold he's going to be a total bust take. I just would take uh, Lance and Fields and obviously Lawrence ahead of him, but that's not some sort of scorching hot he's going to be a bust. He'll be out of the league in two years.
0: Yeah. Okay, and the one question I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you that we, we didn't prep for, but I imagine that you've been asked a bunch. We already, You already went over that you think Trey Lance is quarterback too, so I'd assume he's the one that you want to be taken, but who do you think is going to be the pick at number three when the draft, I think, truly starts for your San Francisco 49ers? Why?
1: Yeah, at this point, I think I'm leaning field. As you can tell in my voice, I don't have very much conviction in that take um people around the league seem to think it'll be Mac Jones um I think Mike Silver put out a good thread on Twitter last night basically saying this isn't a report I don't have information from the Niners from Shanahan who's making the decision but he thinks that it will be Jones um might be a bit of my emotions coming into play and that I like Fields much more than Jones um but at this point I think I would lean Fields
0: you'd so you You'd say you'd lead in Fields as being the pick, correct?
1: Yes, but I do not. I'm not confident in that. I would not yeah. bet money on that.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. I wouldn't. The one I'll bet. I, the one thing I will bet money on is I think that kid from Clemson will probably go number one. That that that's just about the guarantees that I'm willing to make on this draft. I think because last year was a little bit unprecedented as well because uh, the pandemic. But at least you had teams had a full season worth of tape on guys. Versus this year, I think it's a lot smaller of a field. Guys played less. Uh, I mean, they're having pro days and workouts, but all those, you know, you're not getting the same kind of uh, normal year analysis that you're going to get. So it'll definitely be, I think these last two, these two drafts, it's going to be very interesting to see how they play out in, you know, several years.
1: I would agree. I do think there's an outside chance, as I said earlier, that Zach Wilson is the guy that goes number three. Um, People have penciled them in to go to the Jets, and I think that is largely true. Matt LaFleur, no, Mike LaFleur.
0: Mike LaFleur. Um,
1: the, better LaFleur. The, off- the offensive coordinator and Kyle Shanahan obviously think very similarly, Um, but I just think that Shanahan has his guy, and I could see that being um, Zach Wilson. I think Shanahan knows who the Jets are going to take, by virtue of Sala and LaFleur. um, I think he knew when the um, trade was made. I don't necessarily think that means that it's Wilson, right? It could absolutely be Wilson that's going to the Jets and then the Niners are left with someone else. Um, But I do think that is more likely than people are giving credit for.
0: I suppose in terms of probability, you're not wrong. But I also, I would say, if I had to put a number on, I'd say there's like a 98% chance that Zach Wilson is the second overall pick. I'd
1: probably say um, somewhere somewhere near 95, which is very similar, but I think the media is painting it out to be 99.9, and I don't think it's nearly that high.
0: I suppose. I mean, I guess maybe there's that outside chance that maybe Salah – Sala and are looking to do their their own players a favor. Maybe, maybe that maybe that's all it was. It was a deep game. Sala would never actually leave leave San Francisco <laughs> to take the New York job. They, it was it was just all a long content of getting their quarterback. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to really add on before we wrap it up?
1: No, thank you for having me again. I'm excited for the draft. Um, hope everyone enjoys. Don't know how in the user mock draft that Jeremy was talking about. I got Barmore and JOK, it picks 30 and 32. But if that actually happens come Thursday night, I think the Bills and Bucks will be thrown a party.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, I don't know. You, got, you guys will see the collaborative mock draft. And I mean, that's what it was. It's collaborative. It's people taking who they want, not, you know. My official mock draft I'll probably put out. I've kind of made – Kind of made a mock draft right now that I'm ready, but it'll probably be tweaked day by day based on different rumors or if there are any trades that could happen. As I mean, that the Ravens trade trading at for 31 happened like as I was starting the collaborative mock draft. So I mean, look, we'll we'll see. It feels like the days up to the draft, each day is essentially an eternity. But that concludes this one at the very least. So I'm, I mentioned or we have mentioned the collaborative mock draft, that'll come out. And then after that, I have a separate article, just looking back at some each team, some of their best picks in recent memory that'll come out, uh, probably Tuesday, Tuesday, maybe Monday. We'll see when, I, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast again, I've said that several times. And of course the mock draft will come out, uh, before the draft and during the draft, I will either be live tweeting or I'll be live blogging, and by then I'll give I'll have some more concrete updates on that. Definitely going all out for the draft this year. So I feel like last year the draft was one of the first things that I really did on here, which I guess that on the blog rather. But glad for it to be back. Hoping for the best for everyone uh, in terms of the draft. Do you have any shameless plugs?
1: Um, I mean, follow the red shirt blog on Twitter. It's not my plug; it's Jeremy's plug, but it's worth a follow. He's he's by likes by man. Padres broadcaster Don Rosillo.
0: Exactly. If you exactly if you want to join the club of uh, likes of phenomenal broadcaster Don Rosillo and liking tweets from at the Red Shirt Blog on Twitter, I highly suggest. Uh, and that's what also we'll definitely r- wrapping down on the draft. We'll also be back with some more baseball content. Obviously, the draft just been kind of you know big b- big event compared to a little bit of April baseball. But he he mentioned the Twitter. We got the Instagram at the dot redshirt, uh, the blog the redshirt dot blog, or because you know Wix is just an absolutely awesome provider. You might find it easier at the redshirt dot dot com. And yeah, that'll just about conclude this episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Thank you guys for listening in.